A boy like that, kill your brother, forget that boy and find another. One of your own kind, stick to your own kind. A boy like that, bring you sorrow, you'll meet another boy tomorrow. One of your own kind, stick to your own kind. A boy who kills cannot love, a boy who kills has no heart, and he's the boy who gets your love and gets your heart. Hello and welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, September 25th, 2022. My name is James Marino and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, is now available and it can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter also has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, Encore Monthly, and many of the places. Hello, Peter. Hi. So, Peter, you also have your uh, play, uh, Chill Up Your Spine, a reading coming up on Thursday, September 29th. Yes, and I'm delighted to hear that Lisa Padulka, uh, who's one of our faithful listeners, um, said, hey, I heard you're talking about it, so I'd like to come. And, of course, she's more than welcome. Uh, Anybody who wants to come, it is on Thursday night, the 29th at 7 p.m. at Theater 555, which is at 555 West 42nd Street. So if you're interested, uh, send me an email and uh, we'll fit you in. All right. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a fleeting uh, uh, comment about a possible book signing. Anything new about that? (laughs) Yeah, um, that's going to be at the Drama Bookshop. um, And um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be um, at 730 at night. And it's going to be on October 20, um, 18th, sorry. We've moved it around so many times. So um, at the Drama Bookshop, um, 7.30, um, October 18th. So uh, that's going to happen for uh, the new uh, book. And because we're theater people, we just have to, we never have to say 7.30 p.m. because <laughs> it would never be 7.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so Drama Bookshop, 7.30 p.m., October 18th. I will throw that in the show notes as well. So come by and see Peter. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael's a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of castalbumreviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at fellowspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. And you've had a busy week, as we're going to talk about in a moment, but you have another busy week coming up. Yes, because you yes. have uh, Bernstein on Broadway, a celebration at 54 Below on September 27th. Yes. Uh, so tell us, how are things going? They're going well. We've uh, added lots of ticket sales since Cheetah Rivera joined the cast, which, yeah. you, oh, you, which, which <laughs> might not surprise you. And um, uh, the, my understanding is that she is going to speak. Uh, I'm going to do a little interview with her on during the show about her personal experiences with Bernstein during the show and uh, and and West Side Story in general. Um, but then also uh, she's going to join us in singing somewhere as our finale. Uh, so uh, I, the cast is just over the moon sure. that they will be performing with Cheetah Rivera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So that is, uh, as I say in the business, that's a tremendous get. 
I, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that is, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is uh, really, really wonderful. Coming up at 54 below, and uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can get your tickets if there are any available left. Mm-hmm. So get over there sooner than later. We don't want you to get locked out and uh, miss this, you know, once-in-lifetime opportunity. By the way, the show after hours is Clint Holmes, and apparently uh, oh. Cheetah knows him and is a fan mm. of him, so she's going to stay for that show. <laughs> That's nice. Ah, yeah. nice. An evening with Cheetah Rivera. Yeah. That's the <laughs> overarching part of the Double Diamond series mm-hmm. at 54 Below. <laughs> I made that up. That's not really true. <laughs> so, uh, so, Peter, you got out to um, Brooklyn to the Target Margin. Is this a theater inside a Target retail <laughs> store no, this was a show that was supposed to this right this was a show that was supposed to be done at the lucille hotel theater but they're um, renovating it so uh, uh, target margin took the production out to brooklyn um it's not a hard place to get to uh if you're, indeed you're coming from manhattan um 53rd street is the stop i doubt it's a seven minute walk from the theater uh very easy one straight line so it's not at all hard to get to but what must have been terribly hard was david greenspan doing this show now i don't think we did we say the title of the show i didn't i didn't say it all right uh four saints and three acts this was a 1934 opera um with music by virgil thompson and text by gertrude stein uh it was done for african americans so we have some non-traditional casting here people are always saying yeah with non-traditional casting when are we going to see a white raisin in the sun okay well you're going to see a white um four saints and three acts because indeed um david greenspan is the whole show he does it all by himself now david greenspan has done this before he did a show called the patsy which was a 20s commercial comedy playing all the roles and it was quite amusing and you'd say wow the guy remembered a three-act play uh, terrific. Whoa. But then he did Strange Interlude, memorizing that long, 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 long Eugene O'Neill play. And you say, wow, whoa, he did that. Now, now he's doing a show that's 90 minutes long. And you say, well, you know, I mean, he did one that was about two mm-hmm. hours before and one that was about five hours, six hours before. So, I mean, what's 90 minutes? No, no, this <laughs> is the most difficult of them all and it is a miracle that he could possibly memorize this why because we're talking gertrude stein now um if you know from your bye bye birdie cast album a rose is a rose is a rose uh, her favorite <laughs> um, expression that uh, comes up quite a bit here and there um gertrude stein was very much into um a dada type experience of um joining words together that may not go together um, it may very well be that you uh, would hear something, and this is not a quotation, believe me, it was, it was something like, I wonder, considering that takes place, uh, but he changed it. Um, nomination, portrayed, it's all like that. It's all like that. And I'm telling you, I said to Linda, you would have left after 90 seconds. No question. <laughs> it's very, very hard to understand. And I went into a very different mode. And I just said, let's watch this actor and see what he can do. And what he can do is considerably above what most people could possibly do. Years ago, there was a play called, you know, well, there were actually four plays, but under the umbrella title of, you know, I can't hear you when the water's running. It was a Broadway (laughs) hit in the late 60s, four separate plays. And the fourth play was called I'm Herbert. 
And I remember Dorothy Loudon saying to me, this is the most difficult thing I have ever done in my life. Why? Well, because it's about two very old people who um, are not at the peak of their powers mentally. And so the husband, uh, this is not dialogue either, but the husband would say something like, uh, when I was um, going out with uh, Susan, and she said, you never went out with anybody named Susan. And five minutes later, she said, when you were going out with Susan, he said, I never even met a Susan, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> and as she pointed out, there's nothing for an actor to hang on to, because it's all nonsense. It's all craziness. You know, there's nothing logical about it. That play is nothing compared to what David Greenspan is doing. I mean, it, it is just flabbergasting to watch him do all this. And by the way, his movements are amazing too. We often hear that um, ballet people could have really gone into the NBA and played terrific basketball because they have to have all these terrific moves. Um, that's true of David Greenspan too. I don't know how tall he is, um, but um, he could play basketball as well. And uh, flabbergasting in the way that he moves around the stage. It's, it's, um, he's simply on a flat stage with a, a faded oriental rug underneath him. But um, just amazing. So here we have American theater's best memorizer. No question about that. But, um, you know, I thought, that, not that he's going to get the part, not that the show is going to close on January 1st, but this guy looks like he'd be a great Harold Hill. I'm not saying that he'd sell tickets the way that um, Hugh Jackman does, but um, nevertheless, uh, he, he has that quick type of delivery. I mean, this patter is far faster than you've got trouble, far faster. So um, you may not know what he's talking about, but he sure does. Though I will admit, for all I know, he skipped seven lines, you know, because again, mm. it doesn't, it does not make sense, at least to me, at least to me, what can I tell you? But you know, it also occurred to me, Gertrude Stein had a long relationship with Alice B. Toklas, as all of us know from hearing Bosom Buddies in Mame, uh, they're both mentioned in that, but what must have been like for Alice B. Toklas to hear this stuff day after day after day? I mean, I, you know, I mean, really, if, well, if are you assuming that Kurt, are you assuming that Gertrude Stein talked like that in real life? <laughs> well, she must have said, hey, listen to what I just wrote. You know, I mean, how, how does this sound to you? I mean, I really I would oh, think God. that, you know, if indeed she um, murdered Gertrude Stein, a, a jury would let her off the hook in a second for uh, <laughs> that type of thing. So anyway. It's an amazing experience. It really is. Um, it is a, a remarkable tour de force. There is no other way to put it. But if you can tell me what it's about and what the whole point of it is, well, you're a substantially better man than I. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Peter, uh, we were talking before we started recording, and I said... Uh, you know, maybe there's a market out there to look up all the public domain operas and transfer them, transform them into a one-person show, but maybe not. Well, you know, <laughs> the other ones would be easy to understand. Let's say that, you know, uh, so, yeah, uh, so we have to at least um, appreciate the fact that um, <laughs> most operas are, are pretty straightforward. So, um, but the uh, ironic thing there is I, I would not imagine that Four Saints in Three Acts is in the public domain yet. Because that's a more recent. What's that? I don't know. Yeah, mm. I, I don't think so. I mean, you I know, know, if you com coming up on a hundred years, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but meanwhile, meanwhile, right now you could go do Puccini or Verdi or. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No question. Nobody, yeah. nobody's going to take issue with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Not but all the Pacinis have been taken by Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. did I say that out loud? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, okay. So there, there is four saints and three acts uh, at the target margin in, in Brooklyn. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and then you got over to one of the other New York City boroughs, the borough of Staten Island, um, <laughs> where you saw... Uh, the the Michael Portantier production of Guys and Dolls. <laughs> well, we can't quite call it that because that would be um, uh, certainly a slap in the face. The director Craig yes. was Nikki. Is yes, that correct. Was yeah. Nikki? Now you can tell this is community theater in only one instance. Why? Because the set design and carpenter is. Curtis uh, Kwasnicki, so you know that there are people uh, who are just related, uh, who are working together and all that. But otherwise, this was a sensational production. Now, this must sound like applesauce, because here's Michael right here listening yes. to all this going here on. here I am. <laughs> um, yes, you are. Uh, he was Harry the Horse, and I'm telling you, the best damn horse I've seen since Secretariat. Um, <laughs> just a terrific performance. He's, he's a great character actor, really. I mean, the way he moved around the stage based on a, a, a character in Little Abner was just endearing beyond belief. But, but this was, a, a, again, another example. Um, longtime listeners know that I always talk about the fact that community theater is amazing. And um, this is another example of that. Not a weak link in the cast. Everybody doing uh, sensational work. The voices were marvelous, uh, marvelous beyond belief. Um, the sets, uh, which indeed, and the costumes, which were rented, but from high quality places, believe me, um, the, <laughs> uh, flew in and out and uh, just wonderful, uh, a wonderful experience. And of course, it's guys and dolls, isn't it? So as a result, that's going to be terrific as well. But, but. Michael, I do believe, sold the theater short. I mean, he talked about how beautiful it was, but good Lord, I would say this is one of the four best theaters I've ever been in, um, wow. along with the Fox in Atlanta, the Fox in uh, St. Louis, and uh, the Ohio Theater in Columbus. Uh, those are the ones that strike me as the most uh, beautiful. Now, of course, uh, if, if you're into Art Deco, and I'm not against Art Deco, I mean, Radio City, of course, has to apply, but this is um, very old world theater, um, opera house quality, and um, I was stunned at what I was walking into. I couldn't believe it. Um, murals on the wall of great uh, substance. Just a terrific, terrific place. So although you've missed Guys and Dolls and you've missed uh, Harry the Horse's performance, the fact remains that if you have a chance to go out here to see anything, I think it's worth it no matter what's on stage. If it's um, a rock group called the Keopectate Conspiracy, it's worth going out there <laughs> to uh, to see this theater. And Michael said, you know, it's a short walk from the, the um, terminal. Yeah, well, it was shorter than I thought. I mean, you can almost see it from the terminal. So um, keep apprised of this on Staten Island. Remember, the ferry doesn't cost a dime to go there from uh, Manhattan. You see the Statue of Liberty, which is great fun, too. But uh, really, uh, a terrific production of Guys and Dolls, once again proving the community theater is marvelous. And that was on Thursday night and Friday night. Um, I was at um, Oradell, New Jersey for the Bergen County Players. Uh, they were doing ragtime. It was their 90th season uh, starter, and they felt, you know, we have to do something significant since this is 90. And and it, they felt really ragtime was a wonderful thing to do because, of course, it's um, so American in the sense that it deals with immigrants and it deals with African-Americans who are trying to get a, a hold here in the country and it deals with wasps who um, have all the power at this moment in time. And, whoa. Ragtime is more relevant right now than it was in 1998, but mm. fine. 
Um, but our longtime listener, Steve Bell, who gets so many of our trivia questions, was musical director, Nine Pieces, it sure sounded like more to me, and Larry Lansman directed, phenomenal, this is not a big stage, but good Lord, I'm telling you, you know, if, if they, we always hear about uh, the analogy of traffic cop. Well, if somebody saw this guy in his traffic cop mode, they'd make him chief of police. I mean, it's just an amazing <laughs> thing how he could possibly arrange all these people, uh, a cast of like 30 um, on, on this small stage. And uh, nobody got in anybody's way. It, it flowed smoothly. This was one of their first performances. Uh, if not the first performance, it may have been, but you'd never know it. it felt like they were doing it for years and years and years in the best sense of the word um everybody was so up for it the voices were thrilling um i cried at the end um genuine tears um and i wasn't the only one to do that now the show is long of course but here's my point uh started at eight got over at 11 they had a post-play discussion now you would really think that 11 o'clock after three hours people would say um listen i gotta get home i'm exhausted it was amazing to me how many of that uh, member audience members stayed to see uh, the uh, post-play discussion which was really great because they also had a professor from um william patterson university come and talk about the historical but the cast talked about um uh, the the challenges and the difficulties and the and how much they related to the characters and all that so it was a very very special night but of course um seeing ragtime in any circumstances really worth it i still maintain they should have won best musical that year over the lion king uh yeah Yes, Lion King is a great spectacle, and yes, that Circle of Life uh, opening is terrific too, but still, um, the power and the intelligence and the heartfelt um, moments of ragtime really, to me, make it a show for the ages. It's one of the last truly, truly, truly great Broadway musicals, and this was a truly, truly, truly great community theater production. Um, once again, I've said this in the past, but I'll say it again. So many people in community theater are people who could have made it um, if they had stayed in the profession, but they wanted marriage, they wanted children, they wanted that paycheck on Friday. Okay, fine. That was a choice, but that does not mean that they don't have the innate talent to pull off a great show. And this was a great show, just as Guys and Dolls was out in Staten Island. So pay attention to those community theaters out there. You're going to be delightfully surprised. And needless to say, they don't charge as much <laughs> as Broadway. And you don't have to pay exorbitant prices to sit in the first row. Duly noted. I I I think that the uh, forgive me if I'm wrong here. I think the, the Bergen County uh, players um, they, they do they call themselves Broadway in the Burbs or something like that. I, I, think I haven't that, heard that expression. I don't know. I, I could be wrong there, but I, I think that that's oh. one of their uh, marketing yeah. themes there, which, right? which is totally tr true. I've seen some great great shows out there. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad so, you had yeah. that experience too. Yeah. Yeah. Really wonderful. So, uh, so Michael, I, I thought maybe we'd have a, a, a bigger discussion uh, into the, the Leonard Bernstein uh, contribution to the world, period. Just con not, not just to musical theater, but the world in general. And, mm. and especially with your show coming up this week, I, I know that you've, uh, you've, you've gone far and deep into his, his work. So, you know, tell me from, you know, a perspective of uh, somebody who is a lay person that doesn't really know all of his work. Uh, why why would they know him? So name some of the big hits and then we'll get into some of the lesser known stuff that is just as good. 
oh, well, <laughs> I mean, West Side Story, um, Candide on the town. Uh, he, I do, I'll confess, I don't know a lot of his classical music. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, uh, but I, with one exception, he wrote uh, the, something called the Chichester Psalms, which is an absolutely gorgeous um, piece of music. And it has at least one discarded melody from West Side Story. Um, uh, it's, uh, there was a song called Mix that was uh, sung by the Jets, I think, or maybe the Jets and the Sharks. And it goes, but with lyrics to it, uh, which, you know, and I think that's why they cut it. So he, and he was a recycler, Bernstein, maybe not as, much as some other people, but there is a melody in oh, in West Side Story. Um, the melody that we now know as One Hand, One Heart originated in Candide. It was originally written for Candide, but without the quarter notes. So it was just and I sang that off pitch, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, um, and the story is uh, that he handed that melody to Sondheim and said, you know, I, I have this melody that we didn't use in Candide and I'd love to use it um, for West Side Story. Oh, actually what happened first is as, as some of our listeners may know, Bernstein also sometimes wrote his own lyrics. Mm -hmm. And he was originally going to write the the lyrics, all of the lyrics for West Side Story. And then at some point he decided he didn't have time for it or he didn't have time to do it as well as he would like. So they brought in this kid named Stephen Sondheim, who was, I think, <laughs> 25 at the time. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, initially, it was going to be lyrics by Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. Mm -hmm. uh, but as they were working, um, it became apparent that almost all of the lyrics would be by Sondheim, with maybe a few left over by Bernstein. And at that point, Bernstein offered Sondheim the full lyric credit, and he, he accepted. He also offered him an increase in the royalty pool mm -hmm. because of the fact that fact and Sondheim said oh no that's okay I don't care about that mm -hmm. <laughs> and, wow. and decades later Sondheim said that would have been millions of yeah, dollars wow. extra because yeah. it's West Side Story which is done yeah. everywhere mm -hmm. plus sure. there was a movie sale sure. uh, then there was a two and a second movie sale right. you know um, so anyway uh, but uh, yeah no, I guess Mr. Sondheim managed to live comfortably anyway yes. so <laughs> yes. 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 Um, and oh and so uh, in our show uh, one rarity we're including is we're going to have uh, Ben Jones actually sing a version of one hand, one heart that uh, that combines the both sets of lyrics. Uh, he's going to start out with the Bernstein lyrics and then go into the Sondheim. Uh, so I think that's going to be really interesting to people to see how similar and how different they are. Um, uh, Michael, I, I think that I've heard this before, but uh, refresh my memory. How did they find Stephen Sondheim? To, is there any story there? Is there I, prior I relationships? Or? I believe it says that our, it said it has been said that Arthur Lawrence already knew him, uh, one one way or the other. I don't 
recall this yeah. specific. Yeah. The, the famous story they were at a party and not the Lawrence that I'm working on this show. And uh, Stephen Sondheim said, um, who's doing the lyrics, uh, which is interesting you know given the fact that he always uh wanted to compose more than write lyrics mm. but anyway they had a composer needless to say and uh the famous story goes that arthur lawrence smote his forehead <laughs> right you know, he says the only time i've ever seen anybody smote a forehead you know but he actually did it and said well, well yeah yeah you'd, you'd be swell you'd be great so um <laughs> that's and that's how uh, that happened so uh, again people out there uh, who are young and uh, want to get in the business, go to every party you can. You, know, you never know who you're going to meet and what's going to happen. Get out there. What good is sitting alone in your room? You know, um, in um, in the new book, I, I, I don't mean to plug the new book, but I did have something called What's the Saddest Loss That Musicals and We Have Endured? Mm. And um, I mentioned the, the cast album of Follies, the original one, uh, the fact that Musicals have shrunk in terms of orchestra size. I mentioned the Mark Hellinger Theater. Um, mm. But the one that I land on is my choice of the worst thing that ever happened was Leonard Bernstein's musical theater output. And what I wrote, I'm, I'm quoting here now, Serge Kosovitsky, musical director of the Boston Symphony Orchestra from 1924 to 1949, mentored Bernstein and told him not to waste his time and talent on déclassé Broadway musicals. Although Kosovitsky died in 51, he continued to cast a long shadow over his pupil's career. So what works did Bernstein compose outside of Broadway that the general public knows as well as West Side Story? Here's betting that the man and woman on the street has heard of On the Town, Wonderful Town, and Candide much more than Jeremiah, mm. The Age of Anxiety, and Halil. We'll draw the line at the average person knowing the five performance, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but they might have if Bernstein had allowed an original cast album to be made. Perhaps Kosovitsky's ghost was somewhere responsible for Bernstein's refusal. And it's really too bad because that White House Cantata album is terrible. Mm. But um, uh, yeah, take it from somebody who saw the show in Washington, uh, 1600, whatever flaws there were in the show, it certainly wasn't in the music. Not at all. I had forgotten. I guess I knew that it was Bernstein who who would not allow sixteen hundred. Yes, so I've been told. I mean, what do yeah. I know? But I mean, that's what the, the 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 conventional wisdom is. He didn't want it done. He was embarrassed by the fact that it closed so quickly. On that note, I don't know if I mentioned this in the past, but um, another obscurity, relative obscurity of Bernstein, is that he wrote some songs again, music and lyrics for a 1950 production of Peter Pan oh, right. yeah, yeah. that starred uh, Gene Arthur and Boris Karloff. Mm -hmm. And the challenge there being that neither of those people could sing. So he, so he wound up write, writing most of the vocal numbers for Wendy, the character of Wendy. And then also there's a chorus of pirates. And I think there's a chorus of mermaids. And then there's a lot of just orchestral incidental music that's beautiful and uh, was collected um, uh, for recording on, on, a, on an album of all the music from Bernstein's Peter Pan some years ago. You might want to check that out if you haven't heard of it but anyway uh one of the songs in it one of wendy's lovely songs is called uh i've heard the title rendered two ways either just my house or build my house uh where she's singing to the you know the lost boys about the house that she wants them to build for her but then in 1600 pennsylvania avenue which uh, as you can probably tell from the title even if you've never seen the show or don't know anything about it is about the white house um uh, in that, I think it's actually one of the pre president's 
Wives, who sings a song called take care of this house mm -hmm. and uh and i and i sort of had a light bulb moment that those two songs go together really well uh -huh. uh, so we're doing a little a little medley oh. yeah a little medley of, of those two uh and i think that it's it just worked out beautifully so <laughs> terrific we were just uh talking before we started about uh about encores and i was thinking mm. uh 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but uh, if it keeps getting blocked, I wonder if there's some way they can get around that. How far until uh, we're in the public domain there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, we heard this week that the Light in the Piazza isn't going to happen when it's supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, I didn't check. Uh, I didn't compare. When were the original dates as opposed to the new ones? Uh, I thought it, mm, uh, I know parade is coming up first, so I, I my guess is I don't know February probably. Um, but and now it's mean, not till June. Wow, that's it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I can um, only imagine that one or more of the principals uh, got some movie or TV show. Well, uh, again, this is uh, hardly a hundred percent accurate, but um, as rumor has it, um, Ruthie Ann Miles. Um, is going to be in Here Lies Love on Broadway. No, mm. I'm not uh, yeah. saying that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you what I hear. So, well, and you um, know what? We also remember we all just heard and I think discussed last week that that Floyd Collins yeah, yeah, production right. was was indefinitely postponed because uh, the word was that Adam Gettle and Tina Landau were going to revise the show, right. uh, and of course, Light in the Piazza is also Adam Gettle. So maybe um, something's going right, on with him. Right. Yeah. 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 Who knows? Um, he's not a speedy worker, unfortunately. Yeah, and, we know uh, that. <laughs> you know, so uh, and, and I, I wish he were because uh, certainly what he does is quality. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> so um, uh, we'll pull, pull back the curtain a little bit uh, on today's show. Uh, this is the first time in a while that we've recorded on a Saturday instead of a Sunday because on Sunday is the uh, Broadway Cares uh, flea market and uh, Peter and Michael, you're both going to be there tomorrow. So what are you looking forward to seeing at the flea market? Well, I'll be standing at the Theater World Awards uh, table because I'm connected with the organization. So I'm going to be there from about 10 to about 2.30, uh, at which point I have to uh, go see a show. But um, I hope you'll stop by and say hello. It would really be great fun to meet all the people that uh, I've uh, heard from um, uh, through uh, emails and uh, answering uh, the questions at the end of the show. So, um, But when I say 10 o'clock, It'll probably be around ten ten because every time I go, I certainly go mm. to those other tables to see what's on those tables, you know. And I, um, I was going to ask you, you know, when you go to these things, either you're a buyer or a seller. Uh, so oh, <laughs> I um, guess you're a buyer at first, and then a seller later, and then yeah, yeah although we're we, always buyers in some yeah, way. Yeah, really. I mean, it does come down to that, and um, there are always so many good deals, and um, it, certainly there are some uh, premium priced items, but. By and large, there are terrific good deals, and it's just great fun to be on those streets with people who care as much as you do about this art form. Um, who knows who you're going to meet? You might even fall in love. You know, I know people <laughs> who have who met actually at the flea market and are still together. Kindred so, spirits, <laughs> right? Of course, you know, 
they have so much in common it's a phenomenon so um <laughs> really uh, it's it's a good place to meet people and to catch up with people you'll see people you haven't seen since 1904 that's great too you know so it's it's a great experience even if you don't have a penny in your pocket um because Vandergelder took it uh, you're still going to have a wonderful time so um and if if you're living out of town and obviously you're not going to get here by tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock um think about next year it's just great to be with people who care. Yes. <laughs> Michael, how about you? What are you looking forward to seeing tomorrow? Well, I probably can only be there for the first hour or so because then I have to run to a matinee of Guys That's and true. Dolls. Mm -hmm. But, um, um, you know, as, as I mentioned many times, <laughs> I've gotten into collecting old vinyl records. And so I'm going to see what they got uh, in that area. <laughs> what are you especially looking for? Is there anything in particular say oh, I'd love to find? Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure if there's any like specific titles at the moment because I, I've gotten a lot of them, but I, I love rare things. Yeah, who um, doesn't? Sure. You know, of course, there are things that maybe have never made it to CD mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, uh, but then I also do love finding original pressings of uh, you know, the classic cast albums. And I don't get this. Uh, one of the places that I go to, I, I've mentioned, is called Book Off on 44th, yeah. uh, 45th mm -hmm. Street um, between 6th and uh, 5th. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they have a lot of books as per the title, but also uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, uh, uh, and CDs, and a small, a relatively small uh LP section. Well, I went there and you never know what you're going to find. I mean, I had only I had been there like a week before and I thought, well, I don't need to go again because I was just there and mm -hmm. there's not that much turnover, you know. So I walk in and they had <laughs> they had two copies of the original cast album of South Pacific, one of mm -hmm. which was an absolutely original issue. Uh, copy because you can tell by the fact that the record is so heavy yeah. and also the 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 label screen exactly exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so and they had that in excellent condition and they had uh, an album of south pacific on 78s uh -huh. <laughs> so i bought them both even though i don't i can't play 78s but yeah, just yeah. as a collectible item sure yeah. got it <laughs> I understand. You're talking <laughs> to the right person. Yeah. Uh, Peter, uh, Rob Johnson in our chat room asks a question. Since he already bought your new book, uh, can he get it signed at the flea market? You bet. All right. Of course. St stop by the Theater World <laughs> oh, table. Oh, that's wonderful. He's going to be there tomorrow. That's terrific. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Rob brings up another point here, unrelated to your book in the flea market. Uh, he asked if anybody else is hearing outrage that the front half of the mezzanine for Some Like It Hot is going for over $200 a ticket. Uh, so uh, Some Like It Hot just went into rehearsal this week, and it's opening on Broadway soon. Uh, the new pricing, but it, it's going to be uh, interesting to see some of these um, major shows. I mean, we had... Um, we, we we talked last week about music band and Phantom of the Opera. We had news this week that uh, that um, uh, Beetlejuice is closing, which is mm. an interesting twist because Music Man basically threw Beetlejuice out of the theater mm. and it's ending up closing six days before mm. Beetlejuice closes at its uh, at its second home. 
um, we're going to have a lot of empty theaters and uh, Dear Evan Hansen just closed. And uh, so yeah, we, producers who uh, always used to use the excuse, uh, we'd love to come in, but we can't, we have our money, but we can't find a theater. Uh, yeah. Those days are gone. I mean, it's really something when the Imperial doesn't have a booking. I mean, that's a major theater, a real house of hits. So it's really amazing when that place does not have a booking. And to my knowledge, it doesn't. We don't, you know, we don't often talk about global financial markets, but the global <laughs> financial markets have been upside down for the last month. Sure. And um, Friday, just yesterday, right. uh, one of the worst uh, days yeah. on Wall Street in memory. Oh, boy. Um, and yeah. these are the, the you know, these are bellwether signs of uh, of an economy, and so is the money drying up for new shows. But we do have, uh, the, like the Neil Diamond show that's scheduled to come in, and uh, uh, a bunch of other things are 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 on the schedule right now. So I don't know; it's tenuous times. Well, we did hear, of course, about uh, Sean Hayes coming in, too, um, with that oh, yeah. show that was such mm -hmm. a big hit in Chicago. So that's really nice. I wonder if um, this is very dicey because the show is about Oscar Levant, who um, I can't imagine that many people know. Mm -hmm. um, he is um, in the Bandwagon movie. And, right. Um, but and a few other movies, too. And I mean, he was certainly a, a Gershwin um, scholar as, uh, as well as a pianist and a raconteur. He made a lot of very famous appearances um, on the Jack Parr show in the early 60s. And um, but that's a long time ago. And I just don't know if because you know, there's aren't going to be many people in the audience going to say, oh, wow, that's exactly what Oscar Levant was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really captured him. Um, but well, I think that the selling point to the show is Sean Hayes, not Oscar. You bet. Right. You, know. right. you bet. Ronnie uh, Price uh, directed him in Fidian's Rainbow in Florida. And um, he said they were every time they had dinner together, uh, uh, people would just rush over. I mean, it's amazing that he ever got anything in his mouth um, because <laughs> people would just would not leave him alone. Um, so really, it, it's uh, yeah, he, he certainly is a superstar and God bless Will and Grace for making that happen. But still, it's Oscar Levan. Yeah, we'll mm -hmm. see. We'll see. I have a, qu a question uh, stepping back a second is. Uh, uh, is really uh, uh, some like it hot the first instance of uh, mezzanine tickets over 200? I can't think of any. I, I never heard of it if it, if it happened yeah. before. I mean, I, I, I mean, I thought to, I'd have I'm, to think about uh, Music Man or Wicked or Hamilton. I'd have to look at those prices. Well, I mean, haven't we been hearing like sort of like the base price for a lot of them is like 249 or so? Usually orchestra. Uh, yeah, but I thought I, I guess I thought that the difference between orchestra and front mez had been erased. Uh, uh, I think that Rob, Rob shows it had. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob That's... Rob Johnson is uh, bringing up in the chat room that ha Hamilton has raised the prices to this level since, but not before opening. So, uh, oh, okay. So yeah. I think yeah. they're they're assuming that some like it hot's going to be a huge hit. Well, I mean, I'm just wondering if you if you were to buy a front mez ticket for the Music Man, how much would you pay? Yeah, yeah. under mm -hmm. two hundred. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just well, I just, just struck me. I remember when yeah, Saigon no, charged a hundred for those seats. Oh yeah. Um, and after a while, they had to take it back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People, people would not buy, and it wasn't worth it to see that helicopter mm. go up, mm. um, at, at that price. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So Paul we'll Witty see. and the, Paul Witty in the chat room is also bringing up the Hello Dolly revival, possibly. 
I don't, yeah, I don't recall. Yeah, I, I, that was a very hot ticket when that was playing as well. Yes. So uh, we'll have to see. But um, Cameron McIntosh says that uh, Phantom um, w- will be coming back to Broadway at some point. He was ambiguous about that. Um, it's ambiguous about a lot of things. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's screaming from room to room in his castle, and it's hard to understand him. <laughs> uh, and also, that after the announcement of Phantom closing, all these people reminiscing, oh, I never got around to seeing it. Come mm. on, 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so uh, Phantom tickets spiked huge last week and huge lines to get into Phantom. So... Uh, so we'll have to see. I, I think that we had uh, really amazing numbers in the grosses this week. We'll see if the, if this keeps up, if it remains strong uh, and things like that. And then also, before we were recording, Peter brought up the, the Carol Burnett started, started a campaign to uh, make the Majestic uh, the Hal Prince Theater, which uh, I think that was Peter's idea. Peter, are it, you it actually Carol it- Burnett? we're not on speaking terms um <laughs> so uh, this should have happened at the memorial service yeah great capper it would have been at the end for some stupid executive to come out and say and now it's the harold prince I and mean, especially really. if they had been able to keep it a surprise and not yeah, say yeah, it till yeah, the yeah. end yeah can you imagine yeah. how that audience would have gone oh, oh my gosh you know but that that aside um it really should happen I mean, really, uh, it's it's amazing how that man's name was in playbills from the early 50s and continues to this day. So, yeah, and again, as we said uh, a few weeks ago, I'm not 100% convinced that February 18th is the end for Phantom right. because you know people are mm. now spurring to buy tickets. And so it's an I odd expect- time to close February. You it know? is, isn't it? You know, yeah, they it's say, better well, close you know, June 30th, you know? Yeah, I mean, they talk about the anniversary, um, but the anniversary is um, a couple of weeks earlier. So it, it wasn't a logical time to close. But, but um, I suspect we'll get another month out of it. I met, as I mentioned to you two guys before we started recording, uh, the walls of the backstage walls of the St. George Theater, where I'm doing Guys and Dolls, have has lots of signatures on it um, from both uh, people you had never heard of, uh, right on up to Tony Bennett, <laughs> and uh, people who very well known people who've played the theater. And right outside our door uh, is Carol Burnett because she did a one of her Q and A programs there that I was lucky enough to be at. And so uh, I then then this news came. And so, you know, I guess I feel like the person who wrote somewhere online, uh, just one more reason to love Carol Burnett. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, theater renamings, we uh, uh, were talking a little before we recorded about the the possibility of the Lena Horn Theater. Yes, yes. Um, I, I wish there'd be a, an actual date of that happening. Um, they, they've announced that it's going to happen, but nothing more than that. On the other hand, there was a dedication uh, recently for the James Earl Jones theater, which is right. really quite nice. And, uh, and I didn't go to that because I was on the corner of seventh Avenue and 56th street and, uh, where Wynn Handman way was being dedicated. Oh yes. And yes. Wynn Handman was a terrific teacher. Um, is, is, uh, students are uh, names that you've known. Uh, you've seen them uh, go up and give acceptance speeches for this award and that award. So, um, and he was very vital in starting the American Place Theater, um, which um, is now the space that is now uh, the roundabout second home, the Laura Pels. But um, he was quite a force. 
and um, and so I chose to go to the uh, Win Hanman uh, Way dedication, and I was very glad I did. Where again did you say it is? Fifty sixth and seventh. Oh, I thought maybe that it, they might have done it closer to what what used to be the American place. It was something like uh, he had his office there. He lived there or something oh, okay. like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it, it was something like that. Yeah. One would think that I was surprised too. Yeah. And, um, but that's what they chose. Well, the, uh, the Lena Horn theater apparently is not going to be the Nederlander where she did her phenomenal one woman show, but the Brooks Atkinson. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it, 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 it I, I wish that, we have more definite um, dates on that uh, yeah. as opposed yeah. to this amorphous thing, because I don't want it to get cold. And I don't want it not to happen. No. Nothing against Brooks Atkinson. It was <laughs> a little before my theater going time. Um, I, I never um, opened up New York times and read um, a review by Brooks Atkinson. And um, so uh, it was funny because clever marketing on the Bye Bye Birdie cast album, the original issue, they had a quote from Atkinson. The audience was beside itself with pleasure. And uh, in my naivete, when I was a teenager, I assumed that was part of a rave review. He didn't like Bye Bye Birdie, but he gave it credit because the audience was beside itself with pleasure. And he mentioned that and they used that. And I'm sure that helped them to their uh, 600 odd performance run. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that may be an indication of what Brooks Atkinson was like. Um, listen, I didn't much like it, but you might. Well, maybe I'll ask Cheetah on Tuesday what she Good thought idea. of Brooks Atkinson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good idea, since you're rubbing elbows with her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, rubbing elbows. Uh, Stephen rubbing Schwartz elbows. and uh, Antonio Banderas are rubbing elbows. They're making yes. a new musical about Picasso. I mean, how many musicals about Picasso are we going to have? Well, it's, I think Peter's about to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's a very good one out there by Charles Bloom. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, don't forget, uh, last night when I was watching Ragtime and uh, there's Houdini on stage and I was thinking, remember that Steve Schwartz was writing um, Houdini for allegedly uh, Hugh Jackman. And um, Steve himself told me that, no, um, we're not doing that. So, uh, but it was announced, you know, so you never know with any of these projects. Um Sometimes when I try to get to sleep, instead of counting sheep, I go through the alphabet and try to put, um, uh, well, it might be song titles from <laughs> that were dropped out of town, songs that were added out of town, uh, you know, that type of thing, uh, musicals of the 60s, what have you. Um, but one night, I actually did um, shows that were announced that never remotely happened. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you're pardoned if you've never heard of Hurrah Boys Hurrah, which was going to be a Civil War musical that was announced about three or four times every year um, in the 60s and 70s that it was going to happen. So, it's like Martin Guerre. Um, yeah, that actually happened, <laughs> Martin though. Martin It just didn't Gare, come Gare. in. Yeah. Just in, I'm talking about shows that never saw the light of okay, day. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, like Vicky for President, which uh, was going to be about Victoria Woodhull, that Carol Channing was going to do, uh, things like that. You know, the Arsenal Lace musical that people said uh, Richard Rogers was talking about doing that with mm. Ethel Merman and Mary Martin. You know, I can see Mary Martin as a Brewster sister, but I can't quite see Ethel Merman as one. But, you know, uh, but, but needless to say, um, that would have sold tickets if it had happened. But, the audience um, would not have cared. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's true. The audience would have been beside itself with pleasure. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, so that that was my A title uh, during my alphabetical uh, sojourn, uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. So there, we got a million of them. So uh, we shall see what we shall see. Uh, Rob Johnson brings up that Martin Gare is being reworked for a new production. 
We'll believe it when we see it. Um, <laughs> does he say anything more than like where or how or anything like that? I have heard that too, that it's being have reworked, you? but uh, it just, it never seems to get off the ground. Mm. So hopefully. Uh, yeah, and uh, s- someone says, uh, I can't really remember who it was, is that uh, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Yeah, uh, that's the truth. And I have to tell you, Mike Berbigli has got a lot of luck. Sure so. does. Yeah, nothing against Mike. Who really, no, absolutely. It was quite a show and his great fun. But nevertheless, um, as Michael was saying earlier, when Lincoln Center doesn't have a show, um, they start looking for one-man shows to – when I heard he was coming to Lincoln Center, I assumed it was going to be downstairs at the news. Yeah, right. Um, but no, it's upstairs. So uh, that's a big stage because last time I saw him, he was, at, uh, he was in a Broadway theater, but he started at the Cherry Lane. So, I mean, it's uh, – uh, he's getting bigger houses, and I hope he has uh, the demand uh, for tickets to fill those houses. He deserves it. He's a great guy. I mean, really, a terrific um, performer, a, a great personality. Um, has a wonderfully um, common man touch about him in the mm. best sense mm. of what that means. Mm. So, uh, so I am looking forward to seeing him. I, I thought when exactly the same thing that you said, that he's going to be upstairs at the Beaumont. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they do that huge drop of all that stuff from the from the rafters onto the stage that's a lot more space to cover this time you know well if that happens i mean that was a different show wasn't it I know. um so uh but yeah your point is well taken god knows what surprise they'll have for us uh so it could very well be but again you know there was uh, holland taylor doing uh, Anne, uh the show about the texas yeah. governor right. so uh and she filled the stage she yep. filled it she yep. filled it. i'm just so excited i thought to myself that beaumont is so huge for one man show i i can't imagine and i i really really hope that they left some of those dinosaurs uh-huh. for, uh, for him to play with because that would be great if he came out riding one you know that'd be a great thing yeah but you know i i've i don't it's been decades since i sat in the mezzanine at the beaumont so i really can't comment on that but i almost feel like anywhere in the orchestra it's actually kind of intimate because of the uh you know it's so wide and, and you're actually even the even the last row in the orchestra is not that far from the from the players. Sure. So so in a way, uh, you know, it, it's not I mean, it is the stage space is, is huge mm-hmm. um, and it's I, I guess it's pretty high seating capacity. But there's an intimacy about it that. Uh, as compared to some of the proscenium houses. All right, so that sort of wraps it up for this morning. Before we get on to trivia and the musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these bro- broadcasts by going to the front page of Broadway Video. There's a subscribe link that we each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, it, you don't have to listen to us in Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to get us. Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to finer podcasts, you'll find Broadway Video's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be in the show notes at broadwayvideo.com, as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today. So, Peter, do you have an answer for last week's trivia? It's a comedy that requires 14 actors, but for its 1986 revival, 26 performers took curtain calls. Why? What's the comedy? Well, it's the aforementioned arsenic and old lace. Uh, the Brewster sisters rent room to transient. Should they find that one is all alone in the world, they feel so bad for him that they euthanize him with poisoned elderberry wine and bury him in their cellar. They've done it to 12 men, so just for fun, the 1986 revival hired a dozen actors to emerge through the cellar door during the curtain calls (laughs) to get one final laugh from the audience. 
Tony Janicki once again finished first, followed by Juliet Green, Robbie Roselle, Paul Witte, Jay Aubrey Jones, Josh Israel, Jeff Valenga, Steve Bell, Brigadude, Mike Meany, Pat Payne, and Robert Lobiondo. This week's question. There are songs and musicals whose titles are grammatically incorrect. Ain't Got No From Hair, Her Is From The Pajama Game, I'll Learn Ya From Let It Ride. And yet, one song from a world-famous musical made a grammatical error by the omission of just a single letter. What's the song? From what musical does it come? Hmm. If you have an answer to that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. Let you know if you were on the right track. So, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment? Well, our Bernstein on Broadway show uh, this coming Tuesday, the 27th at uh, 54 Below at 7 p.m. Uh, is, is meant to celebrate Leonard Bernstein, uh, all of his Broadway musicals, but also uh, specifically to celebrate the 65th anniversary of the Broadway opening of West Side Story. Um, the actual date of that anniversary is Monday the 26th, uh, and we were going to do our show that then, but then somebody pointed out that that's Rosh Hashanah. Mm. And uh, I thought, we well, we probably want to avoid doing a show on Rosh Hashanah, especially if we're honoring Leonard Bernstein. So, <laughs> so we switched it to the 27th and uh, I, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And I would say that now it's a celebration of Bernstein and his music and West Side Story and also Cheetah Rivera, who will be with us. So our opener, uh, the opening music for this week is Cheetah in A Boy Like That from West Side Story from the original cast mm. album. And the closer is um, uh, music you will not hear in our show because we don't have an orchestra. And it's the Candied <laughs> Overture, uh, <laughs> again, from the original Broadway cast of that show. All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Videos This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.